SAFM. Good day to you, Mzansi. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of Otherwise on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. The show is produced by Hazel Makuzeni, and our technical producer for today is Derek Fordyce. Our contact details are 0892102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. Now I'm getting the sniffles, and I know the seasons are changing. So you better. It's World Health Day today, I'm told. So. Uh, we better start looking after your health at the moment. But today on the show, a woman was arrested recently in Somerset West where police found bundles of marijuana and a pack of magic mushrooms. This she used for various ceremonies to take her guests to higher levels. So it is that we have invited Dr. James Liddell from the Lifestyle Clinic to help us understand how good or bad they are for our brains, especially. Then Sue Fisser joins us. She's a health researcher and she shares how we can keep a healthy mind and body without mind altering substances. But first, my very short lunch bite, and it's from an unknown author. It says one man's creativity is another man's brain damage. Otherwise, on SAFM. Dr. Liddell joins me now on the line. Dr. Liddell, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Shadow, and thank you for the opportunity. Well, I'm hoping that you can be of, of great help. We're talking about magic mushrooms. And how do we identify these from other normal mushrooms? Because there are lots of species of mushrooms, aren't there? Yes, absolutely. There are those that we can use for consumption. Mm-hmm with nutritional benefits and then of course you have those with hallucinic and psychedelic effects and they can cause damage and are addictive. And these are the ones that we call magic mushrooms? Those are the ones that we call magic mushrooms, yes. Are they readily available at different places or does one have to grow them themselves? And how do you identify them? Well I think you have to have a very good knowledge of how they look. And you can find them in forests and other places, and obviously there are people who trade with them. That grow but they them. are definitely different to the ones that we consume for consumption. So for you and I, not you exactly, but just the man in the street, it's not easy to identify unless you have some, some prior knowledge of what they look like. Absolutely. So if you don't know anything about mushrooms, don't walk into a forest, cook them and eat them, they might give you a nasty surprise. <laughs> Hallucinations, maybe? Absolutely. Or even worse, uh, kill you? Well, that's also a possibility if you really overdose and you have too much of it. The thing is, it's diff- very difficult from patient to patient or person to person. For the one person, they can have a jolly ride with mm-hmm. side effects. Mm-hmm. And for others, they can even die. Okay, so what is it that they contain that gives us the jolly ride or the hallucinations? They mimic serotonin in the brain. And of course that can give you then all those effects of hallucinations and euphoria, feeling happy and tranquil and cool. Apparently they, they, it's, it's, they, they have a, a psilocybin, is that what it's called? Yes, that's right, psilocybin. That's the active ingredient. Now, what does it do to the brain? Well, obviously, it has a stimulating effect, and it gives you a feeling of euphoria, visual and mental hallucinations, change in perception, a distorted sense of time, a spiritual experience, and can include possible adverse reactions like nausea 
and even panic attacks. If taken, if taken in, in, in large quantities, can it, can it cause neurological disorders in any way? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna impair your memory. You, on the long run, you can develop a psychiatric illness. So, on the long term, it can be full of nasty side effects that you do not really want and mess up all your brain chemicals that might not be reversible. And of course, a lot of them, uh, when coming down from that high, are, are usually very depressed. Yes, they can be depressed. They can become schizophrenic. The thing is, you know, when, when you stimulate the brain, you have a, an energy level that you normally will not have. But, I mean, after the stimulating effect, you know, you really fall right down to where you are if you have overused all your brain capacity and energy. So, I, I, I just wonder, is this only magic mushrooms or all these other herbs like marijuana, do they also contain uh, the, the, the psilocybin and, and what does, it, does it have the same effect on the brain? Well, you know, I don't think that the marijuana has the same stimulating effect because, you know, it's a much milder drug, if you can call it. Mm -hmm. But by the end of the day, on a long term, they all more or less have the same long term side effect and they damage the, the blood brain barrier, which protects the brain. And with all these tox toxic substances, the brain can become permanently inflamed. And like all chronic diseases, are diseases of states of chronic inflammation. And as soon as the brain becomes chronically inflamed, you know, then you've got uh, depression, schizophrenia, psychosis, all these kind of diseases that you can't really turn around. Now, would you, as, as psilocybin again, and, and I only know that it's gotten from magic mushrooms, but yeah. would you prescribe it for any disease whatsoever that has to do with the brain or any other disease or, or, or discomfort that a, a, a patient would have? I don't think that any doctor will somehow prescribe these kind of drugs. If they are used by people, it, it might be in research. Mm, mm. But there's no doctor in South Africa that I know of that will prescribe this as a medicinal cure for some other effect. Never ever? No, definitely not. It, it might happen in any research environment, but not in practice in South Africa. It is absolutely forbidden. Are there any benefits at all in, if used in control, in, in controlled formations, for instance, with a, uh, let's say somebody has, a, has an illness and they ask to take at least three times a year or twice a month. If it's, it's a controlled area, can they be used? Do they have any benefits? I do not believe that these kind of drugs have health benefits. The problem is that you never know how a patient or person is going to react. You might just have a once-off try just to see and just to experience and it might push you right into a state of psychosis and something that you might not be able to turn around. So it is a very, very risky drug and I do not recommend anyone to try it even for once. Not even under because supervision. We really don't know what's going to happen with the patient or the or the person and how the brain is going to react. A once-off might be devastating. Now, Dr. L Liddell, uh, uh, 
because I still want to believe that some people feel there may be benefits. Are there, are there clinics or trials being held at the moment to look at how possible it could, could be to use psilocybin for any other forms of diseases? I really have to investigate more into that. You know, I've given you all the knowledge that I mm-hmm. have, and I am completely against uh, trying this uh, on a daily basis or a once-off. Um, it's not a territory that your public should go to. Mm-hmm. Leave it, leave it for the for the specialists, for the doctors, for the researchers, and because they will run trials for a very long period of time, and they will really establish: is there any health benefit? Can we use it? Is it harmful? Um, don't go there unless it becomes available as a medicinal product that can be prescribed by doctors and dispensed by pharmacists. Now, later on, I'm talking to Sue, Sue Fisser, and I want to ask you if in her research she's, 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 uh, she's got any information available. But how do you then, and I don't know if you, you can answer this question, but if, if you have accidentally uh, used the mushrooms and you've cooked them, you didn't know what they were, and we know a lot of people uh, don't have enough food, so they do go to, to, to the bush and, and pick up whatever they think looks like uh, consumable herbs. Um, if, if you have taken them by mistake, um, what do you do to, 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 reverse the, 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 to reverse the process of psilocybin in your body? You have to get to a hospital as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Because the effect differs from from person to person, and you might have cardiac failure, you might dehydrate. Um, it is it is dangerous, and it needs urgent medical care. Yeah, and the other person obviously needs to, because if you've consumed it, you probably don't know, but somebody else may be able to notice, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, dilated pupils and those kinds of things. Yes, dilated pupils, dry mouth, sweating, uh, increased body temperature, numbness, um, exaggerated reflexes, muscle weakness, twitching, uh, increase in blood pressure, heart rate, nausea, vomiting. These are the kind of mm-hmm. things that you should look out for. So, so stay away from the woods, eh? Stay away from the woods. <laughs> Dr. Liddell. And eat healthy. And, and eat healthy. Thank you so much for your time. And I know you've you got patience, so but thank you for talking to us and, well, and, and you, clarifying this. We'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Dr. James Liddell from the Lifestyle Clinic. But uh, Sue Fess is going to join me in a bit. And I know she's got, she's a researcher, health researcher, and she's, she's going to tell us how to really look after our minds, but also revisit what actually these substances can do to our minds and, and, and bodies and, and really whether we need them or not. We'll talk to um, Sue Fisser in a, in, a, in a bit after this. Once more, Sue Fisser joins us. She's health researcher, writer, foodie and product developer for Nature Fresh. Hello, Sue. Thank you so much for your time once more. Hello, Shadow. Always enjoy your shadow. <laughs> <laughs> now, you say a sound mind in a healthy body houses a happy and peaceful soul, and that's you. Well, I would like to say so, and I did it without taking any mushrooms or anything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some of us are just good old-fashioned and uh, believe in in prayer and meditation and in God. No, but tell me, why why is it so popular for people to take mind-altering substances? Why do we believe we need them in the first place? 
It's a very good question, Shadow, but I think the people who take them would justify that mankind has always taken hallucinogenic drugs. You know, the shamans of old. Mm. And when you go into these caves and you see Bushman paintings and that, you see some highly strange, weird, distorted images on the ceiling. So mm. I think it's part of man's makeup that they're curious. And um, people tend to forget that all that's out there is actually where we originally came from. And as Edgar Casey said, you know, we, we, we're just a spiritual being having a human experience. And as such, you, you go through what we call a veil of forgetting and you just just, just sort of just be a person and I, get on with it. You know, this lady that we talk about in Somerset West was 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 giving her guests a, a higher level levels of consciousness. Yes. Um, yes. And I, I just wonder if we've become that lazy as well, not to be able to get into a higher level of consciousness without taking any drugs. Well, what would Deepak Chopra have to say about it, Shadow? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's get real. And um, I don't think that when your brain is being distorted in the way that it does with the psilocybin, that it's actually in its normal faculty. But now some people find that they benefit from the experience and, and we're not there to judge them. Mm-hmm. But when, when people are, are led in, misled and led into a group where they're doing this and somebody in the group is going to have an adverse experience, it's not like a doctor prescribing a drug and looking after the patients and saying, right, you know, and, and controlling the whole thing. No. So while, while everybody's busy doing whatever they're doing, um, something could go wrong and as such, the person could get harmed. Well, people say the same thing about pharmaceutical drugs. You know, you never know what you're taking. Absolutely, Shadow. But, you know, the doctor has to take the responsibility. And you know what medical liability claims are, are heaped on their shoulders. But they do stand up and take the responsibility. And I think the point you're making is that they, they, they're equally dangerous if misapplied. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, though, with the kinds of foods we eat and the, and, and, and the pharmaceutical drugs that we use for whatever, for cold and flu uh, or painkillers, which are readily available over the counter, and then maybe have a magic mushroom, um, the co- collision there may be the, the oh, danger. excellent point, Shadow. It, it, it's frightening, you know. And then you've got to also think of, of what might be already sitting in our bodies in terms of a toxic waste pile. Mm-hmm. And these days, you know, our brain is supposed to protect itself from any foreign substance coming in, and we have this thing called a blood-brain barrier. But if, if its integrity has been, you know, challenged, and I'm afraid just even talking on cell phones and using computers and all these frequencies around us, open up the blood-brain barrier so that it's not just going to get its regular supply of sugar and glucose and things that it needs. Other things go into the brain as well. And a lot of that are, are things like heavy metals, pesticides, toxins. So um, as, I, as I see it, the brain is pretty sick already. To, and to, we know that a lot of depressed people have this problem with the serotonin. We've all heard about serotonin. And you're like me, you don't like taking pills. Yeah, no. <laughs> right? So you'd rather just bite into a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> Not even, but, hey? I wish I, had, I wish I could easily but, do that. Just you know, water we, we, we think helps. serotonin is, is something that we need more of to feel better. And in, in this case, more enlightened. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so what happens is, is if you take something that's going to be selectively active again, you know, into the um, receptors of the serotonin um, 
you know, that's a neurotransmitter and it has to pick up on serotonin, mm. right, to get the signal across the thing. When that's gone, you feel awful. But when you prolong the uptake of the serotonin, then you're using things like Prozac or our good old alternatives like St. John's Wort and homeopathic remedies, as Dr. James Liddell will tell you, he's a homeopath. When, when people come to him with this condition, he sees what's going wrong and how he can fix up all the broken signals. But when you take one of these what I call woo-woo drugs, it has a random effect. It is going to disrupt the way the serotonin works, and it's mm-hmm. going to latch onto all, all the um, serotonin receptors, and it's going to bash across the two hemispheres of the brain. Now, we have a right brain and a left brain. Mm-hmm. You know, the one is logical, and I think women have, like to think they've got more of a right brain, which mm-hmm. is emotional and more into the, into the sort of realm of feelings and higher... Uh, reality. So the, the, the drug actually cuts away the division between the brain hemispheres and that's why a lot of people tend to say, I had such a fantastic moment. They're actually meeting the two halves of the brain together. And I think the division was put there by a maker for a good reason. Mm. You know, to keep human, you've, got to, you've actually got to be a human being if you want to be a human being. And if you want to be a spirit being, go be a spirit being. But it's very difficult to hover in between the two realms. Now, I, I also I want you to go back a bit because we, we think we use our brains every day, but very few of us understand exactly how they work. Now, you mentioned that blood-brain barrier. Can we go back to that and just tell us how it works? Right, that's our security system. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to enter the right passcode and you're allowed in. The brain is a very vulnerable tissue, as you know, and I don't think many people know this, but it's made out of cholesterol. Wow. Yeah, it's fatty stuff, the gray matter. And, and that makes the, um, the sort of insulation for all the little neurons. It's all insulated by fatty stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enjoy your butt, it's good for the brain. <laughs> but um, seriously, all the neurons and all the mechanical activity within the brain is only half of what goes on with the thinking process because we do interact with the mind, which is the abstract side. Mm-hmm. And... You know, when people meditate and the, the, the true, what I call shamans and psychic people and that, the first thing they will do is calm down the brain, get it quiet, mm-hmm. get it into a receptive space. And maybe people just want to, oh, I quickly like this, this, this experience, and uh, they don't truly understand that it, it, you have to grow into that space. Mm-hmm. You, have, you know, a holy man doesn't just take stuff and become that way. It's, it's a growing it's lots process. Lots of practice and, and, and yes. study. Now, some feel, well, we'd, we'd, we'd like to just help out a little bit and help the serotonin to latch on and, you know, work in, in other ways than we are created. And yet some will argue and say, well, we're half angels anyway, and why shouldn't we? Well, good luck to them. And one doesn't want to stop anybody doing anything. You know, you can't stop the Aborigines from, from doing their shamanistic rituals and that, and you can't people doing what they're doing in Peru and they're fully justified in doing it so if people want to do it by all means but there are incredible risks involved when you take innocent people and they don't have healthy brains and that's the point I'm trying to make is before you rush out and think you need a higher experience first have a look at your mental health and if, if you are depressed and you feel your serotonin does need to be upgraded and um, it must stay in your system a lot longer there's every reason to go and look at what you're doing wrong. 
you're not eating properly. You're not being being good to your body. The, the side that needs the rest and the relaxation and the good spaces come from taking an effort to, to clean up all the mess mm. and to go out there and try and be a nice person. And if you need to eat a mushroom to become a nicer person and you're justified in doing so, by all means, it's the same as going to a doctor and saying, I need a drug doctor mm. because I've got attention deficit syndrome, so give me Ritalin. Now, Ritalin is more dangerous than cocaine. You see what I'm getting mm. at? Mm. We, we, we're going around in, in circles here. All these things do damage to the brain. And I think all of us are quite capable of cleaning up our act and doing what we can to help the brain fire up its neurons and latch on and off receptors and work with proper neurotransmission in a way that is, is um, legal health. And I'm going to talk to you about that, how to keep a healthy brain and a healthy body. But before we even go there, I asked Dr. Liddell if he would prescribe uh, uh, the, the drug found in magic mushrooms or the derivative thereof. The psilocybin, the city, I call it the city fibre. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and, and, and he, he, he said to me, no, definitely not. Um, and I wondered if there were some trials that were being taken, were being had at the moment to, to investigate if there are any properties that can be used to get the brain to function better or for other medicinal purposes. Now, as a researcher, I wanted to find out if you know of any, any oh, kind yes. of trials. Yes, I just didn't want to advertise the fact that um, working with a, any drug, and whether it comes from a mushroom or it comes from Prozac or it comes from finasteride or whatever they're calling it, they all work in the same way as they put things in the brain and connect certain things. And in some people, it has a good effect. Mm. In other people, it doesn't. Mm. Right? So as a drug, it has got a lot of potential to help people where there is an agitated part in the brain and if that must can calm it down and help with depression that's fantastic mm. but they all have the same thing that is if you go into the brain and you put something there and you make it work and it's not working because there's something wrong in the body and i always know the first thing is a buildup of toxins and a lack of nutrients and antioxidants that's always going to cause a brain dysfunction that that is also one of the main reasons why you're feeling down I, I've never found, and I don't think Dr. James has ever found someone who's got fantastic nutrition, gets lots of exercise and fresh air, that would ever feel down enough to have to go and see a doctor. That's an upper, really. Usually yes. it is an upper when you do all those things. So yes, please stay, and, and stay on the line for me, please. You get all those feel-good chemicals. But if something's gone wrong and you need a drug to fix it, there's an equal chance that the psilocybin in a magic mushroom can work as well as something like Ritalin or Prozac. Stay but with we, me, stay with me, to, Sue. We have to respect that it has to be done in, in a medical situation where you're monitored. And it's supervised. And Sue, please stay on the line for me, Sue. Sue, stay on the line for me, please. Otherwise, on SAFM. Sue Fisser is my guest, and we're talking hallucinogenic drugs, mind-altering substances, whatever you'd like to call them, magic mushrooms, and how they affect our brains, and how we can look after our brains um, without without having to need any kind of medication, whether legal or illegal. Sue, I stopped you there while you were talking about exercise and 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 and. Uh, uh, and and our brain. Yes, well, as you know, exercise and sex exercise <laughs> <that's> a, um, <laughs> generate feel-good chemicals in the body. 
endorphins. And again, you know, when, when you run and you get that high, when your muscles are aching, the body makes painkillers and opiates itself. Mm-hmm. To Well, I don't think it's trying to reward you. It's just trying to take the pain out of your sore muscles so that you can run further. And people do. You, you, get, you get this, this, this runner's high, they call it. I don't know if you've ever taken enough effort to get there. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't, no. But, <laughs> but if, if you haven't run, hard enough, I walk. I always do it in slow increments, and um, I just feel I've got to do it, and I discipline myself to do it. But I never think of the lovely high I'm going to get when I'm running to make me want to run again. But it's the same chemicals. It's, it's also works with dopamine. We have serotonin and dopamine, the two chemicals that should be balanced out. And when you're doing physical effort and you, you want a reward, you, you get the dopamine levels rising, and you get more self-confidence, and you relax, and you, you feel in a strong space. Serotonin is opposite to that in that it makes you mellow and chilled out. Mm-hmm. So we want lots of those hormones. Now, the problem is with any drug that's putting them into the brain, the brain says, oh, look what's just arrived. I don't have to make it anymore. Mm-hmm. And although they, they, they say in all the studies I tried to find about this, this psilocybin, is it addictive or not? They, they steer around and they're trying to say, oh, it's going to solve drug addiction and it's going to solve depression and it's good for anxiety attacks and... Just the headaches, my darling, and everything else, and not have it for me, and there are no side effects. Now, if science is telling us this, then all the scientific papers I've gone through would say the same thing, but they don't. And up come these horrible studies they did with healthy people with MRI scans over their heads, and at least 20% of the healthy young people that they examined as fit to, to undergo these experiences, 20% of them freaked out. Hmm. And um, so, you know, if you take a pill as an antidepressant and suddenly you're wetting your pants and you're having anxiety attacks mm-hmm. and you're going around the circle seeing colors and they say you smell colors. You smell and, them. And, and, and you, hear, you hear sounds or see sounds, you know, things like that. It's distortion. It distorts the brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if these scientific control studies with the scanners going on around the brain watching what's happening, if 20% of the healthy people they tested, this happened to them, can you say in all, all due respect that, that it's good to put that on a package insert? <laughs> so then they tend to lie about the outcome of the trial. And in a lot of these cases with these drugs that have now been banned, they didn't do enough homework. So it's a scary place to be in. If you want more serotonin, there are healthy, natural ways to restore your own ability to make some. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the 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 wellness or how to look after your brain and 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 keep it well so that you don't need so that it produces what it's supposed to produce and you don't need all these extra drugs or herbs to yes. to, to to take that 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 will cure the problem shadow but uh, you know it's still at the back of our mind i'll say this or just that there is no cure for curiosity and yeah. some people are going to be curious. Mm. But and at least, you know, if they're curious, it. if they're curious, they know what they're getting themselves into. You see, for me, it's somebody walking in blindly. And, mm. you know, we've heard about marijuana, we've heard about magic mushrooms, but I don't think when we interrogate people um, as to how they understand their workings in their body or in their minds, I don't think people think that far. So at least the next person who's listening who goes out and experiments, they, they must go there with some knowledge of what they're doing to their brain or their body. Yes, but you see, they, they, they'll fall into the trap of justifying it because unfortunately all these things that you do put it into the brain instead of the brain making it itself. 
the brain, as I said, says, oh, thank you very much. Now, I don't have to bother. And the next morning, it's going to feel down, and it's going to want its new little package of whatever you're putting in mm. there to connect it all up again. And the, the, one, the one thing that they all agreed on, all the scientists, and this is a very interesting chapter, is then are you putting in one unit of whatever it is to get the brain to do that? Over time, you'll be needing two units, mm. three units. Mm. The effect requires more and more of the substance to do the job. Now, this is nice if you, you're a purveyor of such fine projects, you know. <laughs> you're selling it to someone mm -hmm. because if you've got them to the stage where they don't feel normal without it, and each time you supply the, the commodity, mm. they're going to need more of it. You're going to be rather well off, aren't you? Is, and and the, the, the return from that place is, mm. is a long and hard and difficult one. Is it achievable to, to reverse the process that you've, the damage you've done to your, to your brain? Well, the damage they say is short term. They say the actual half life of the thing is about, it's not even an hour. Really? Although some people who've had the profound good experience with the same thing would say that the, the effect, the lovely effect and the way it's healed their lives and their families lasted for months. So it's very hard to sit as a researcher and say, I'm not going to say good or bad. But with everything, you will find that it's not for what works for you may not work for the next man. Mm -hmm. And in, in the case of something that A is against the law, you are looking for trouble. Do it so that you don't break the law or get found out to do it. Mm. It's, it's silly to go and, 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 and flirt with disaster. So if someone's never broke the law, did they? <laughs> so food for the brain, what do you recommend? The food for the brain, um, oh, not chocolate. <laughs> 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 Although it is, it is, is a feel-good um, substance, and we know women can't get through a whole month cycle without a bit of chocolate here and there. Yeah. It is, it is, it is comforting. But sugar for the brain is something that's a bit dangerous because you can get into this low blood sugar cycle. So the more sugar you eat, actually, the more you drop your sugar. That mm -hmm. that the brain does need constantly. It's all it really screams for is, is glucose and oxygen. Okay. And that goes through the blood-brain barrier. So we've got to make sure when we're feeling depressed, when lost did you eat? Are you feeling stressed? You know, are you sitting in front of a computer all day? Mm. All these things can, can buzz with the brain, and especially when the blood sugar is low, you're going to feel down. And then you must eat. I mean, it's only a pleasure, isn't it, to tell people to eat, and eat in such a way that, not too many sugars and carbohydrates are consumed. And if you can bring yourself to have a hard-boiled egg or a, um, some salmon or some substantial protein, all the better. Mm. All the better. Mm. You know, our, our um, PA nature fish, she sits there and I come into the office and I think, oh, what's that awful smell? And then she is sitting eating two hard-boiled eggs with a big grin on her face. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know... People learn. You, you do by experimentation. You'll know what keeps you going. And uh, it's certainly not, not sugar. You have to raise your blood sugar with protein. And now that's ironical, isn't it? <laughs> you raise your blood sugar with protein. I'm saying in, in your body, the sugar that goes in and out of there is, is just like jet fuel. But when you, when you need to maintain a steady supply of blood sugar to the brain, you have to make sure you have a backup system. And that's only done with good nutrition. And, of course, all our B vitamins and... Uh, omega-3s and our minerals calcium and magnesium it's very funny that you ask what's good for the brain well um, dr james and i are busy writing a book now and in every chapter we come to the same conclusion that all all these nutrients we look out for to to recommend to people 
Mm-hmm. They're working for the heart. They're working for the brain. They're working for headaches. They're working for um, chronic fatigue syndrome and for the thyroid. They all seem to be the same little group of nutrients that mm-hmm. for some reason we hear about all the time and yet we just, you know, ah, yeah, well, maybe tomorrow we'll go and get some cod liver oil or something. Is it good to... And then to, we realize, no, is, it can't is be it, normal without it. Is it good to find them in natural foods or can you take a... Prescri- prescribed uh, drugs, over-the-counter drugs, and that sort of thing, or, or rather, you know, get them from natural foods, from your you, vegetables. You're putting me in a corner now. Well, well. <laughs> because we used to be able to get quite a lot of the, the really specialized brain things, like lithium orotate. It's not the lithium lithium. It's lithium orotate used to be a, a, um, it's a mineral supplement that one could get. And really, that was a very, very, very best thing to calm a troubled mind and to uplift the spirits, chemically, mm-hmm. <laughs> chemically speaking, but more as a supplement. But I've had people come and tell me that they've been so depressed. And I remember once giving a talk in, in a closed exchange telecom building where there's no light, nothing. It's just dark inside there. And I thought, my God, anybody working in here would be depressed. And one guy came and told me that he doesn't get depressed anymore because he takes two tablespoons, yuck, yuck, of cod liver oil a day. Oh. And he said he came off all his medications and he still does it and he feels great. Well, a lot of people have spoken about oil in some form or the other. Yes. As, 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 and I, not only cod liver oil, but oils often Only come up. Only the and essential fatty oils. Yes. So the brain is a big blob of fat. Yes. So, and, and for insulating all the neurons, you, you, you do, do need what we call um, phospholipids. Nice, yeah, I've got phospholipids on my waistline as well. <laughs> but you can't pump the one up into the brain, hey? <laughs> you need a direct oils, squirt. Oils in are it? essential. And what fights the good oils are the ones that we also like, which are the omega-6 oils. And they, they're healthy in their own right. Mm. But unfortunately, we need a higher balance of what we call the omega-3 because they are more anti-inflammatory. And they've all got a fishy taste, you know. Have you ever tasted flaxseed oil? Yes, I have. Yeah. So why can't they make them taste like chocolate, eh? Because I don't like chocolate. I'm happy with its taste. So are you happy with a fish taste? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm it's good. The same with the, you the get the used to ones, it. You, know, you get the, used uh, to it. The ritalin and the brain and that. They, they're also given vast quantities of fish liver oil. And... It's so good for them, and the, the other interesting spin-off from having enough cod liver oil, especially before winter and that, is it's, it's so good for teeth and bones. Well, talking about teeth and bones and oil, somebody told me yesterday that they, they, they had a, a slight problem with their teeth, and um, they were told to, before brushing, to, and it's an ancient... Uh, no, oil, oil pulling. Oil pulling with coconut oil. oil. Pulling. Did they have to squish oil around their mouth? And yes. Their yes. Why didn't you tell me that? Oh. <laughs> what does it work for? Tell us a bit about oil pulling. Because oil pulling. I heard this yesterday. You know, I had a tooth that was wanting to, to walk its way out my mouth, and I said no. And um, I, I discovered, you know, when you read on the Internet and you hear how they swear by doing the oil pulling, again, some people can use revolting oils, but I decided, well, coconut oil... You know, it's pretty disinfectant in its own right. It kills a lot of microbes. So if there's any microbes giving me trouble, I'm going to do this. And I put a teaspoon in. Right, I first put some of my own mouthwash in to, to, to get the taste levels up nicely. But I like coconut oil. And I squished it around for 10 minutes, 
squish, squish, squish this way and that way and that way and that way. Then they warn you, please don't spit it down the drain because coconut oil, you know, when it's cold, it, it coagulates like yes, candle wax. Yes, yes, So, So you, you just put it into the bin or something. And, um, you know, it's, it's quite amazing what it can do. If, if you've got an upcoming abscess, a gum abscess, I'm not talking about the tooth one with the old root canal and that, but just mm. sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's very, very sore and it's just a tooth abscess. Uh, abscess on the gums it pulls it right out fantastic stuff so how often do you do this every day well i only do it when i mean you know if i've, if I've really got something that i'm worried about and um, this tooth got so so well and i also use diatomaceous earth with it and i saved the tooth you use what with it yeah diatomaceous earth no you know what vim is yes yeah, well, medical form of them without all that nasty spell, it's diatomaceous earth. It's, it's, um, they, it's like silica. It's tiny little... Um, Granules. They're little hawkers that died in the sea and that's their skeleton. That's the quickest way I could describe it. <laughs> but uh, diatomaceous earth is a, a fantastic healing substance of its own and uh, great for detoxifying... People have eaten too many mushrooms and that sort of thing. It works a little bit like activated charcoal in that it pulls toxins out the body. This sounds like... But it's very good for cleaning the teeth as well. Old wives' tales. Yeah. Apparently in India, oil pulling is used very much. Yes, it is. And uh, you can actually use it instead of brushing your teeth. And, of course, they have a little miswak stick which they cut and they bang. You know, it's got a very fibrous stem and they use it as a toothbrush. And even oil... We found in Ethiopia they were picking little twigs off the old, old olive tree and using that as a toothbrush. And hopefully oil pulling as well. So yes. after your oil pulling, do you, do you brush normally after that? Yeah, but not with a fluoride toothpaste. With what? Well, I know a lady who made fluoride-free toothpaste, and that was the first time she was on SABC. <laughs> mm, okay, so we'll, we'll go and look for fluoride-free <laughs> toothpaste. Fluoride-free toothpaste is, is, is a better option because they say now that we've got far too much fluoride we're exposed to far too much of it and you know it's not the best thing to have near your thyroid gland so if you're gargling with a fluoride mouthwash it could actually make a bit of your thyroid sue we've run out of time can you believe it yeah, no, always a pleasure about talking what to about you the mushrooms? well mushrooms we've run out of time for mushrooms as well <laughs> but i know you've got an article that you wrote today so where can people find it that explains all about the the silo silo well if they go to the nature fresh um, facebook page and everybody's on facebook except me but no i am um i did i did post the story there nature fresh uh, facebook page yeah, yeah. always don't, a pleasure don't, talking don't to you don't have mushroom for anything else at the moment well, I'm not eating mushrooms of any kind unless they're from my supermarket or my <laughs> farmer. Thank you so much, Sue. You take care. Have a great week until we talk to you again. Thank you so much, Shadow. Goodbye. Take care. And Bye -bye. love to everybody. Okay, take care. Bye. Oil pulling is what I'm excited about.